time, and I warn you almost every time we meet together, just because someone is on TV in front of you doesn't mean everything they say is in accordance to God's will or God's word. Um, so we, we hear things, and, and last week we started talking about um, what it means. Does God really want us to be happy? And, and we, we approached that, and we talked through that. And what we came and kind of boiled that down to was God is much more concerned with our holiness than he is our happiness. And so today we're going to look at, has anybody ever heard someone tell them this? that God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody heard that? I call this my graveside language that, that Christians like to speak. And, and if you've walked through a death, I'm, I'm not poking fun, don't hear that at all, but sometimes Christians who, who don't know what to say in tense moments just get diarrhea of the mouth and they just start saying things. And, and so I've heard some just, I've, I've been standing next to people and, and I've heard things like this, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. I've heard people come up to people who are grieving and say, say things like, well, you know God has a plan. Listen, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Uh, sometimes in tense moments when people are grieving, just hug them. Just tell them, hey, we're here. Don't make something up to make them feel better because it's not going to help them in their theological perspective of the Lord. So if you found your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you will stand with us for the holy reading of God's word, and then I'll let you sit down for about 25 minutes, I promise. Starting in verse 1, it says, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, for as is written, the people sat down, to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did. They were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they're written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you that's not common to man. God is faithful. Isn't that good news today? God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will provide a way out, a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Father, we pray over your word. Pray that it would have freedom in this place and it would find a resting place in our heart and in our soul. Use this word to speak life to us today in the name of Christ. Amen. 
If you're in here and, and you're not going, if you're going to children's church today, you're being dismissed. I'm sorry I got carried away. You ever just get excited about something? I've preached this message to Sherry already this week, and uh, I've just been excited. I've been ready to preach this thing since Monday. God never said that. When we start thinking about the things that God has said and what he's not said, if we're not careful, we try to, to make God say things that he never did. And as we think about this, and as we think about why we begin to do that, why, why would people put words in the mouth of God? I believe there's three things in this false narrative that we want to believe about God. The first one being is that we believe that God wants us happy. We talked about this last week. We believe that God wants us to be happy. So, so we'll say things like, like, God will never give you more than you can handle. You know what the problem with that logic is? The problem with that logic is God put the weight of sin on his son. The problem with that logic is that God strapped a cross to his son's back. The problem with that logic is all of the disciples except for John were murdered because of their faith. And John didn't have a picnic. They cut that brother's tongue off and sent him to the island of Patmos for him to die. If you believe that God won't give you more than you can handle, what makes you more special than Jesus? Because he was willing to look at his son, and as, as we read in Isaiah 53, it says, For it was the will of the Lord to crush him. God applied the sin of man on his son and then therefore destroyed the sin by destroying the son. If we believe in this false narrative because we think God wants us to be happy, then ultimately we're not going to be happy with God. Because if you believe that God's not going to give you more, then, then what happens when, you're, when your spouse walks in and says, after 25 years, I'm done? What happens when the doctor calls and, and tells you, hey, it's cancer? What happens when you get the phone call in the middle of the night and mom and dad have slipped into eternity? If you believe that God is about your happiness and never want you to walk through a pressured situation, then we serve a feeble God who's never really aware of this situation. But I don't believe that was God's ever, that was ever his motif, was for us to be comfortable and happy. We want to believe that God wants us comfortable. We, we long for that. We want to think God wants us to be comfortable. In fact, I, I've, I've just stopped praying for comfort. I've stopped praying for safety because what I understand is being a believer has never promised safety. It's never promised comfort. And yet at the same time, you're sitting in an air-conditioned room because it's February and we turn the air conditioner on. Um, you're in, you're in a, a pew that, that someone paid for that's cushioned and it's comfortable. You're able to sit here for a moment. We, we, we're about comfort. We want that in our lives, but we cannot translate that into our doctrine of who God is. We can't impose our comfort and look at God and say, God, I'll go anywhere as long as there's a five-star hotel and I can eat at a buffet. God, I'll go anywhere as long as I can sleep a full eight hours and not have to worry about dying. I have a, a, a dear mentor of mine I was in seminary with, and he, he is somebody I esteem greatly because he didn't, he didn't just go into the academic world. In fact, the academic world was his retirement plan. 
and he teaches missions and he's, he's good at it. Him and his wife spent their 50th anniversary. They married 50 years. They spent their 50th anniversary, the day in which they celebrated their union with God for 50 years, underneath the school bus in Baghdad as mortars were exploding around them. You're talking about people who love Jesus and who are willing to go to the ends of the earth. I don't know if you slept under a, a bus before in Baghdad with bombs and mortar going off around you, but it probably wasn't safe or comfortable. God's call doesn't always mean we're going to be safe. God's call doesn't always mean we're going to be comfortable. But when we get dedicated to following Jesus, it's always worth it. I asked him, I said, do you regret that? He goes, absolutely not. He said, that was the best night of our marriage. Because we were following God and we knew, hey, if this thing takes us out here, we had 50 good years and we're going to be with him. And I'm sitting there going, man, I wish I had that faith. We believe that he wants us comfortable. But we'll also believe that, that he don't want us to go through a hardship in our lives. We buy into this one, hook, line, and sinker. We buy into this one, uh, God just doesn't want us to, to, to have a hard time. God doesn't want us to go through a, a bad day. God's not going to put something in our life that's going to make us, yes, he will. Yes, he will. In fact, the, in fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that trials are good for you. Trials are good for you because they're good for testing who you are. In fact, a life with no test is, is not a life at all. If you were to go to school today and you were to begin learning, the only way you're going to really evaluate your life and the only way you're going to apply principle is when you're tested on the material that you've been instructed to. If you were never tested, there would be no reason for you to hang on to it. And yet God sends tests, and he says they're good for you, for, they're good for reproving you, they're good for instructing you, they're good for making you more like Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, consider it all joy, brethren, when trials come. You should be happy when they come because it means the work of God is going to come in your life. I think of the, the, the man in the Bible, one of my favorite, his name is King David in the Old Testament. King David is an incredible person. When you begin to understand his life, he was not qualified to be king. And, and God doesn't always use the qualified. He will qualify who he calls. And so he's got David as king of, of the whole biblical world. And here we find David. And you know what David's nickname was? David had a nickname that I, some of us have nicknames and we don't like them. And David had a nickname that I'm jealous of. David's nickname was a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you like that nickname? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like for that to be said about you? That you're, you're a man or a woman after God's heart? David was a man, though, just like you and just like me. David wasn't far from trouble ever. David was real good at getting ahead of the Lord. Anybody, anybody been there? Anybody stay there? So David's sitting on his roof one night. He peers across the city, and he sees a woman sunbathing. They sunbathed because they didn't have hot water. So you'd put the tub up there, and the sun would heat it all day. In the afternoon, you could have a warm shower, warm bath. He looks across, and there's this lady named Bathsheba. And he sees her, and the Bible says he longed for her. He went through some unbiblical steps, had the husband killed, had an adulterous relationship. And, and this is the guy who God says, hey, he's after my heart. He's after my heart. 
God knows you're not perfect, but the call for your life is perfection. This is what David said in Psalm 38 after dealing with his sin. This idea is going to press so hard on the prosperity gospel. In Psalm 38, in verse 4, David writes, he says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Verse 8 says, I'm exhausted and I'm completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. If you buy into this, this reality that God wants you happy and God wants you comfortable and, and, and God wants you to have, have no hardships in your life, God doesn't want you to have any hiccups in the road, God doesn't want you to have any unexpected twists and turns, then you're going to live a life of full disappointment. Because phone calls are going to come. Death is going to happen. Hard times are going to come. There may be a month or two that you run out of money. You may have all these things come up in the same week. So do we serve a poor God or are we looking at God the wrong way? I would argue that we're looking at God the wrong way if we think he's about our very comfort. Jesus himself in Mark 14 says, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. God hasn't always promised that our lives or our days would be happy, but he's always promised that he would be with us. He's always promised that he would be with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, any VeggieTale lovers in the room? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go before King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're going to throw him in the furnace. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen the veggie tales. If not, rent them. They'll be the best $2 you spent in your life. There, these men are before the Lord. And they, King Nebuchadnezzar tells them to bow. And they won't bow. And he says, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. He don't bow. So they throw him in the furnace. And it says, King Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace. And he was looking, hoping to see men burning in their flesh. And yet, what does he see? Four men. How many did he put in? Three men. He said, and one of them looked like the Son of God. God's never promised that we wouldn't have issues in our life. He's never promised we wouldn't have bad days. He's never promised we wouldn't have trials. But what he did promise is when those days come, you will not be alone. Amen, brother. Y'all didn't hear that. Because I said when those bad days come... When life is crumbling in front of you, God himself, creator Jehovah, the almighty one, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. Woo, that's good news. Y'all try to go to sleep on me. That's all right. I, I understand. Preaching ain't much. Why would God allow us to go through more than we could bear? Why would God allow us to go through more than we could bear? Maybe it's to display our feeble strength. Maybe it's to display our feeble strength. Maybe so God can show you you're not as strong as you think you are. A lot of us in this room are, are getting to the point when we were strong and mighty and structure. And that day was... A while ago, right? Like some of us are looking back at a better us. 
going, I used to be able to do that. We're not quite as strong as we think we are. We're not quite as able as we think we are. And when we come to spiritual things, my friends, you're feeble. You're feeble. You're not able. You know what the good news of the gospel is? God never called you to be able. God never called you to do that. You're, you're trying and you're operating. You're, you're trying to be strong and, and you think you're going to be able to handle every situation that comes. But you weren't created for that. You were created to be weak so that he could be strong. You were created to be less so that he could be more. You were created in the image of God to serve the holy God and that he is your providence and he is your provision. You were never meant to be strong. You were, in fact, our text tells us, it tells us, it starts in verse 12, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands, let anyone who thinks he stands, let anyone who thinks he's able, let anyone who thinks he's strong enough, he's mighty enough, let anyone who thinks he is something, take heed lest he fall. Oh, my friends, be, be scared to death when you think you're somebody. Because God's never called you to be somebody. He's called you to know somebody. And that somebody, his name is Jesus. So God gives us this to display our feeble strength, but also to, for us to depend on his power. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, Jesus loves you like nobody else today. There's power in his name. Listen, demons had to flee. The dead had to rise. Water had to hold him. Food had to multiply at the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. God will put us through circumstances. He will put us through trials so that we look at our feebleness and realize we need the power of God in your life. There's going to be days you wake up and you're not going to be able. There's going to be days you wake up, you don't have enough in the tank, my friend, but we serve a God who's endless. We serve a God who is unmoved, who is unchanged, who is able today. And he's about you. Isn't that crazy? This God that's full power, full mercy, full grace, full just is about you and me. He wants us. So he does this so we'll depend on his power, but he also does this so that we will experience his power. So that we'll experience his power. You ever, I, I love woodworking, and, and I, I do it as a hobby. You ever been working on something and realized you had the wrong tool in your hand? You ever been somewhere on site and you realized you had the wrong tool with you and the right one was at the house? That, that seems every time I go out somewhere. Got the right tool sitting in the basement. For many of us, we will see God's power. We know God's able. Man, we've read the Bible. God split the sea the children of Israel walked in. God sent plagues in Egypt and Pharaoh let the people go. He provided them shade in the day and a pillar of fire at night. When they got hungry, God sent bread. These people that Paul are talking about in 1 Corinthians, they saw the power of God, but the problem is they never experienced it. They were spectators to the Father 
instead of recipients to the Father. And I fear most Americans find themselves in that very place. Man, we've seen God do some incredible things. In fact, in our church, we have people today who would stand up and give a testimony that would make you weep at the power and righteousness of God. And yet the majority of us never experience it. There comes a point when we have to get off the sidelines, when we have to get out of the stands and take the field. God's called you. He's gifted you. He's told you, you you are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. God will give you more than you can bear. And there's a reason to that. Because he wants you to rely on him. He wants you to rely on him. God will give you more than you can bear because he wants you to call on the name of the Father. He wants you to call on Daddy. Remember when I was in high school, a couple of friends of mine thought it would be real fun to break into somebody's pasture and go mud riding. Only problem is I had a two-wheel drive pickup truck, so it didn't take very long for me to be stuck. And I'm not talking like I'm just spinning and I need help somebody pushing me. I'm talking about truck suction to the earth type. I mean, some of you know, you've been mud riding before. I'm talking about when you hear that. And you're somewhere you ain't supposed to be. And you're supposed to be home 45 minutes ago. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Y'all look at me like y'all ain't redneck. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In that moment, I, I didn't have the right stuff. I didn't have any power. I had to call daddy. So many of us are walking through life. We don't have the right stuff. We're not near strong enough, but we're scared to death to call daddy. God is there for, your glo- for his glory so that you can have life. He will give you more than you can bear so that you'll run to him. So that you'll run to him. I love being a parent of a young child because they just blow my mind every day the things that he does mannerisms I just love that little booger to death he needs his daddy he, need, he needs me I'm the only one there in the morning Katie gets up and goes to work so I get him dressed he needs me like if it wasn't for me he'd lay in the crib all day he needs me but there's going to come a point in time where he don't need me as much and if we're not careful we allow our success we allow our bank accounts our strength and our stature to put us in the same relationship to the Lord. We think we can handle our own trials. We think we can handle our own tribulations. We think we can handle all of our own issues and we never fully submit before the Lord. We may find ourselves in a trial that we can't bear alone. But the good news of the gospel is we were never meant to. Jesus is there for us. The Lord is near to all who call on him. And to all who call on him in truth, Psalms 145, 18. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church, he said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. He says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power 
may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sakes I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Let's read that last sentence out loud. The Apostle Paul wrote, For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's only when you're weak that you're strong. It's only when you're weak and you realize who you are, but the power of God is there that you rely on Him. We say a lot, I'm just going to leave it at the feet of the Lord. But do we do that? Because you can't leave something at the feet of the Lord, then come back to it. You can't leave something at the feet of the Lord, then dance around it. When we leave it at the feet of the Lord, we we place it there and we walk away. My friends, God may give you more than you can handle. When He does, rely on Him. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your spouse. Hey, don't even rely on your pastor. We're, we're feeble. We're weak. We rely on the strengths of the Lord. Today, are you relying on the strengths of the Lord? Are you trusting in your Savior for everything in your life? Are you trusting on Him for your salvation? Have you been saved? And I'm not talking, have you had an experience with the Lord? I'm not talking about, have you come to a VBS? I'm talking, have you, is your life in ownership by Jehovah God? We need to rely on Him for our strength, for our decisions. How often do you instruct from the Lord on what you're going to do? For many of us today, we need revival in our hearts. We try and do it on our own. We try to make it on our own. We try to, to, to not involve an outset. Listen, God's there and He wants to be a part of your day. He wants to be a part of your life. When you walk through the trials, He wants to be there. When you're weak, He wants to pick you up. When you don't have the strength, He wants to be your power. Will you let Him today? Will you let Him today? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Christ, we thank You for this day. Father, we pray that we would lessen so that you could increase. Forgive us when we've bought into the lie that you'll never give us more because your, your word tells us that there will be times when we're overcome. But Father, we're so thankful that when those trials come that we can't handle, when those moments come that are too big for us to deal with, Father, that you are there. You're waiting You're waiting on us to relent. You're waiting on us to turn around and say, God, I need you. Father, for those people today who have been carrying this burden, they've been trying to to hold it up, hold it all together, but they feel like life is falling apart around them and they're incapable today. Father, will you let them run to you? For you tell us your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, will you work during this this moment of response? This moment for us to reflect on what we've heard through worship and through the preaching of the word. And God, if you need to bring people to an altar for repentance, God, they've been trying and trying and trying and they're not trusting. God, will you you deal with them? If you need to bring people to join our church to be saved, God, whatever you have in this moment, we lay at your feet. We trust in you today. 
In the name of Christ, we ask all these things. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand and sing with us this morning?